Welcome to the Bill Kelly Podcast. I'm Bill Kelly. Today, the Carmen's Group drops their bid to take over Hamilton's downtown entertainment venues. Who's on the hook for LRT cost overruns? And also, former Mississauga Mayor Hazel McCallion will not be accepting her appointment as a special advisor to the Ford government. The Bill Kelly Podcast starts now. Today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. As we are talking about Hamilton going forward, uh, one of those discussions, of course... And we've had a lot of those discussions here on this program are about the entertainment facilities downtown. That being, of course, the arena, whether you still call it Cobb's Coliseum, First Ontario Center, the actual name, uh, First Ontario Concert Place, a.k.a. Hamilton Place, and the Hamilton Convention Center. And uh, those are all owned by the city, uh, but they are managed by others, of course. Spectra Entertainment operates uh, two of those, and of course the Convention Center managed by Carmen's. Well... Uh, there have been feasibility studies done, cost-effective studies done about these things, and we seem to be doing a little dance going around in circles. Uh, and uh, what seemed to accelerate that was a, a move by Carmen's a little while ago to say, look, we'll pay for a study. As a matter of fact, they'd like to take over all three facilities. That was then. This is now. Now we find out that Carmen's has decided maybe that's not the best tact. To uh, give us uh, the to read on what's going on and why, we are pleased to welcome back to the program P.J. Mercanti, who is the CEO of the Carmen's Group, as he joins us here on the Bill Kelly Show. PJ, thanks for the time. Good morning. How are you doing today? Good, thanks, Bill. Uh, you certainly know how to make waves, <laughs> both uh, with what you guys have been proposing and then uh, your, your most recent. Talk to us about why you've decided to do, uh, basically back away from, from uh, the proposal to, to manage all three facilities. Let's, let's go there first. Sure. I mean, simply, Bill, for us, it, it, was, a, it was a strategic decision. And, and given the timing of the city's plans to investigate the redevelopment of the downtown sports and entertainment assets, you know, we felt at this time it would be best for us just to concentrate on our convention center operation. You know, when we initially wrote the letter to the mayor and council, uh, I believe it was about a year ago at this time, it was last, uh, last uh, February, you know, we had said in that, in that uh, letter that, you know, we would certainly, uh, you know, look to, you know, maximize the venues in their existing, in their existing form while simultaneously, you know, uh, assisting in the process to accelerate the next generation of these assets. And, uh, and so, you know, over the course of the last few months, we've had, you know, a number of discussions uh, with, uh, with City Hall, discussions with Spectre as well. You know, we were very open in our, you know, desire to potentially try to work together. And, uh, and, and we felt it made the most sense for us, uh, for Carmen's group at this time, just to, you know, renew our deal uh, for the convention center, uh, for Spectra to renew their deal with First Ontario Center and the concert hall, uh, you know, simply and, 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 you know, largely because of the fact the city is, you know, really, really, you know, getting aggressive on, uh, you know, looking at the next generation of these facilities. Are they? <laughs> uh, because uh, well, because there are some observers, PJ, that would suggest that these guys are just, well, they're not dragging their heels, but, I mean, we're going over the same ground time and time again. I mean, they, they're studying this thing to death, and I haven't heard any definitive action as to where they want to go yet. Do they want to tear these down? Do they want to turn them over? Do they want to sell them? We don't really know. Is, was that part of the, dis, the decision-making process, is that the city doesn't seem to, to have, have solidified their stance at what they want to do yet? 
and 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 you know to a very large degree you know the the just the ge- general question mark around what the city plans on doing with these facilities was a big part of why we said okay let's just pause for the time being uh, on the management of the three venues because we really don't know what's you know what the you know what the next 5 years could look like so so it was it was a you know just a simply a, a strategic decision for us to you know to to you know you know, focus on what we're good at, which is the convention center, but at the same time, keep our ear to the ground and, and, and you know, closely observe, you know, what the city does plan on doing with, you know, with the, the study that they, that they, you know, hopefully will start, you know, very soon. You know, we understand and, and we respect that these are city assets. At the end of the day, you know, the city of Hamilton owns the arena and the concert hall and the convention center and, and will ultimately be, you know, responsible if, if, if nothing happens, uh, you know, if, if, if they start to continue to deteriorate. This is on the city, um, and, and the city needs to, to find a solution uh, for this. Uh, and so I know that the intention, uh, you know, in having, you know, a conversation with Glenn Norton, uh, it, you know, it, it's my understanding that, you know, the city wants to kind of figure out what the, uh, you know, what's, you know, the new convention center or a renovated convention center, uh, you know, could look like or should look like in the form of size, you know, the the where and the and the how, uh, you know, questions being attached to that. But you know, we we right now just want to simply observe to see, you know, what what direction the city goes in, and then obviously react according to to that. But for the time being, we just want to stay in our lane, uh, you know, operate the convention center, do the best we can with that. And then you know make a move if and when the time comes that the city is serious about about looking at the next generation. But you, look at you, our businessman, and and we all know about the the commitment that the Carmen's Group has made to this community. We've seen the footprint, obviously, with some of the great things that you guys are doing in the community here. Uh, at some point, uh, you can get all the data that, that's available, and you can do reports, and then get reports about those reports, and that seems to be what the city is doing right now. But as a businessman, PJ, at sometimes you got to okay, okay, time to make a decision. Uh, and they don't seem to want to make that step. I mean, I can understand how you, as somebody who wants to be a partner with the city on this, is going to get a little frustrated and say, look, I can't just sit here and, and wait for the, you guys to do something. We've got to do something on our own or just back away. And and you're you're not wrong in saying that you know the longer that uh, you know time goes that you know it, that um, interest wanes and 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 you know capital gets deployed in, in other projects uh, you know with with certain partners so so you're, you're absolutely right that you know that you know uh, if there is momentum you know it's not it's not uh, healthy to stall that momentum. Uh, and and you know obviously when we look at you know what happened last fall it was just you know unfortunate timing with the election taking place that you know the better part of two months maybe three months kind of uh, you know kind of you know there was a bit general timeout uh, during that window of time with you know with a lot of the uh, the momentum that had built up during the summertime and uh, and you know parts of last year so 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 you're right that the longer things drag out. Uh, you know, the greater the risk that interest wanes and the greater the risk that other economic forces, you know, impact momentum. You know, you know, we've we've heard, uh, you know, many times that, uh, you know, that, you know, a recession could be near and uh, and and. You know, we've I've you know I've heard you know financial pundits saying we've been in extra innings for you know for a few years. So well, if we keep keep dragging this thing out, eventually it is going to happen. No, for sure, everything is cyclical. You know, at that and and if that was to happen, you know, would some of the private sector partners be at the table? I don't know. 
so it is, it is, you know, it is risky delaying it. I understand where the city is coming from in the sense that they are city assets, so you know they need to do what's best, for, you know, for you know for themselves. But at the same time, delaying and waiting isn't necessarily you know the the, the you know the best course of action. Um, but for us, Bill, it was simply a case of you know there's a lot going on right now, uh, you know, at City Hall with regards to to these assets. You know, it you know for us, it, it wasn't worth the you know wasn't worth the potential uh fights um you know uh RFP well, let me ask you about that pj because yeah, sure. we, we've talked about partnerships and and a year or so ago as you mentioned last february when when you guys expressed interest in doing this uh you were doing it in concert with a partnership that you had developed with a group called the oakfield group out of los angeles uh, how are, where are they on this right now? I know that the partnership has been dissolved, but were they getting frustrated with the the, the delays that seem to be happening here? I mean, because they're like you are business people, and they just can't sit and wait. For sure, and you know, and we, you know, it, it, we had been in touch with them throughout, you know, the whole year uh, last year, and and you know, back in the summer, into the fall, into the early winter, you know, we, we'd be in touch, and they'd, you know, it'd be frust- I know that they were frustrated that there hadn't been a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, momentum, um, but you know, they understood it was an election, etc. Uh, however, you know, they, you know, while the pursuit for venue management, um, you know, has halted with with them. You know, we certainly plan on keeping, uh, you know, the doors open and the dialogue continuing with them should, you know, should a next generation type of opportunity present itself. Uh, Oakview Group, you know, has tremendous experience not only in venue management, but they also are developers of sports and entertainment assets. You know, they, they uh, have, uh, you know, generated a lot, of, um, a lot of profile in the last, uh, last year or two with their, with their efforts in Seattle to, to uh, renovate um, the, the Seattle arena. They've obviously helped uh, bring, uh, bring uh, you know, pro hockey to, uh, to the Seattle market. Um, but Oakview Group are developers uh, as well. Tim Liewicki, who was who's the CEO of Oakview Group, was the uh, president or CEO. I'm not sure of MLSE, Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment. So you know he 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 understands you know the big picture thinking around sports uh, sports districts, uh, entertainment districts. Uh, Irving Azoff, who's another partner in Oakview Group, was the former CEO of Live Nation, former CEO of Ticketmaster. Uh, you know he he you know he uh, I think is the manager to over 20 or 30 of the biggest names in music so so you know okay no, we, we knew that and we knew those yeah. guys yeah these guys have got chops we know that but uh and but the lesson i think that city needs to learn from this and it's not a reflection on you i think it's more on city council is if you're going to continue to hem and haw about this people like that that you've just described are going to say look i gotta move on I'm, I'm i can't wait for you guys now and like you say they're going to concentrate on seattle and someplace else i hate to think of this but it looks like this well could be an opportunity lost now because as you say interest is starting to wane on this if it's not evaporated altogether for sure, and you know, and we are. And you know, know how long are, it takes to cultivate these these kind of partnerships and relationships. And if I have to start from square one again, we you know we're we're going to be in trouble because, like you say, it's not going to get any less expensive the longer we wait. No, absolutely, and and you know, and while the venue management uh, you know partnership has has you know has kind of halted uh, for the time being, you know, we are fortunate that that our you know our local group that we're working with that includes. Uh, Ron uh, Joyce and his family, Leuna Fengate, and uh, Meridian Credit Union. We we still do plan on on you know doing our own study, but having it focus uh, a bit more on the future of a convention uh, center and 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 what can be done with that. So so our group, our local group, is still committed, uh, intensely committed to the city of Hamilton, to you know to opportunities that may exist. 
uh, with the with the downtown venues, and and we you know we respect that it, there's a lot of moving pieces surrounding the arena side of the equation. But what we want to uh, where we want to re- refocus our energies and efforts is on the convention center, and and that is an, a business that Carmen's uh, group uh, intimately knows uh, inside and out, uh, you know, left and right. So uh, we know conventions, we know convention centers and event facilities, uh, and so we want to to focus. Uh, then you know our portion of of, of a study and, and and the study that we plan on doing on that part of of the next generation play and and so this is where though we want to understand better what the city plans um, you know are and and so we're trying to we want to make sure that whatever report we end up doing is in alignment. Uh, is in fundamental alignment with what the city is also, you know, planning and expecting to do or hoping to do with it, with their assets. So, so we're in a kind of a, a holding pattern right now, Bill, where you know where we're trying to. We are committed to Hamilton. You know, Carmen's group has deep roots in the city of Hamilton. You know, we've you know we've been you know very public around our intentions of expanding our footprint here in the city, uh, including downtown. And so we are committed. Uh, we remain committed to that to that vision, but. With with all of the moving pieces right now, with these uh, different entertainment assets and and with City Hall, we're just kind of going time out. Let's reassess the situation and and then you know uh, you know plan a, a course of action once we you know gather all the you know the new uh, information. All right, listen, we've got about a minute and a half left here, but I got to ask you because there is another player involved in this. So Spectra may still manage these other two facilities, and you guys can hang on and manage the convention center. But there's uh, one Michael Andlar that's uh, looking for an arena someplace, somewhere, that's going to be a, a, a good fit for his uh, enterprise, the Bulldogs. Uh, he's looking at other locations. Have you had any discussions with him? I mean, this is a guy that's not going to sit and wait for things to happen. For sure, and we've been—I've been in touch with uh, with uh, you know uh, Michael's team at the uh, the Bulldogs head office, and and I've I've uh, corresponded with Michael via email, uh, and j- just as recently as a few days ago, uh, and so we've been in touch with him. You know, we understand his frustrations and 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 what you know what the Bulldogs need, uh, you know, for the for the health of their franchise and and the health of hockey in Hamilton. So completely understand, you know, Michael's. You know where Michael's coming from, and 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 that's part of the reason of of why you know we we understand okay something needs to happen with you know with these critical sport and entertainment assets you know they're they're more than you know just buildings but you know they're they're you know they're a part of the culture and fabric of this community and if and if and if they're not as um, as structurally robust as they could be then that's going to you know affect their influence and impact in the community. Um, so, so we certainly hope that, you know, Mr. Anlauer, you know, eventually, you know, gets what he, you know, what he's looking for in the form of a, a new or renovated arena um, and, and understands, uh, you know, and, and we'll certainly assist him in, in any way that we can. Well, we'll uh, see. It's uh, the, the ball's in the city's court, I guess. PJ, we've got to run. We're right out of time. Thanks so much. We'll no stay problem. in touch, though, okay? You got it. Thanks, Bill. PJ McKenney, of course, uh, the CEO of the Carmen's Group. City Council's got to make a decision on this. I mean, you've got the data. You know how it's going to cost a ton of money to try to renovate these buildings or retrofit them and it's going to cost a ton of money to build new ones you got to make a decision on this this is again paralysis by analysis and you had some people that were interested in this and were willing to put some capital in it and they're walking away (laughs) come on council you're listening to the bill kelly show podcast on 900 chml one of my pet peeves you go into a store you look for stuff hey i like that i think i'm there's no price tag on it i mean you know show me the price tag tell me give me an idea what i'm doing there okay well, uh, the same thing applies to the, the LRT project here in Hamilton. 
Uh, sounds like a great idea. I, I, you know, lots of statistics here about economic development, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But we, we still, after all this conversation, don't really have a price tag for it. Uh, we know that the previous government committed $1 billion, and uh, we're not quite sure about the commitment to this government. They said, yeah, you can have the money, et cetera, et cetera. We know about some of the things that Doug Ford has said on this. Well, yesterday uh, we had MPP Donna Skelly on the program, and I asked her specifically, what if there's a cost overrun? Is a billion dollars a billion dollars? Are you going to just pay for this thing? And uh, this, is what, uh, this is what Donna Skelly had to say yesterday. Well, I, I don't think it's a stretch to think that when we're in a government facing a $15 billion deficit that we would not we would be able to uh, shore up funds for anything other than what we have committed to. All right. So that seemed to indicate to us anyway that, uh, that the policy here is going to be, yeah, the billion, but if it's a cost overrun, as Donna went on to say, that the city was going to be responsible for that. Now, I asked her, are you making a policy statement here on behalf of your government, or is this your amusing? And we're not quite sure. Uh, so she mentioned, obviously, the transport minister was going to be in town at some point in the future. And I said, well, look, we've got to get on and get some clarity. Uh, word of that discussion uh, that I had with uh, Donna Skelly, obviously, filtered down to City Hall. They were having a meeting yesterday. Uh, I know Mayor Eisenberger, who was, uh, well, got word of this, obviously, responded to this. But so did Councilor Brad Clark, who had already uh, had some concerns about this. And he's going to present a motion uh, that might add some clarity to this. And uh, Brad Clark, of course, uh, City Councilor, joins us on the Bill Kelly Show to talk about this. Brad, thanks for the time. Good to have you with us today. My pleasure. Thank you, Bill. Let's uh, talk a little bit about uh, where you're going with this and the motion. And, uh, I, well, the frustration, I think, a lot of people, whether you're for this project or against it, Brad, uh, we, we need some clarity here. Clarity is the, the correct word. Uh, we really need to understand uh, what the, the government policy is with regards to any cost escalations on the billion dollars. Um, as we all know, we've been talking about this since 2007, and inflation alone has risen by, by 19% across Canada over those years. So what's that impact going to have on the billion dollars? We don't know. And who's going to pay? We don't know. Well, we've been down this road before. Anybody that uh, has any memories, of course, of the uh, the expressway debate that went on here for about 45 years or whatever it was, uh, and, and, of course, the longer this thing was, was pushed forward, pushed forward, pushed forward, the costs kept escalating. Uh, thankfully, there was a government that said, don't worry, we're going to cover that, or at least the, the, the linking part of that anyway. Uh, so we, we'll go for that. That's done. But, I mean, it, I don't want to see this, hap- this happen again. And that's why I asked uh, Donna Skelly yesterday, what is the government's position on this? And, uh, I, again, we're not sure uh, because, obviously, she's not, she's not the minister. She's not the premier. Um, I, I don't know that her comments didn't do much more than simply cloud the issue even more. Well, I, 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 I don't mean to disparage uh, Member Skelly. Uh, I, I, I likely... <laughs> understanding what the role is of an MPP in government, uh, I would find it incredibly uh, challenging. I'd be shocked if she was um, speaking out of turn and she wasn't speaking from some discussions that she's had with either the Premier or the Minister. That being said... Um, she's not the cabinet minister, and she's she's not in cabinet, and and we simply need it in writing. As a, as a government ourselves, we need clarity in writing so that we can make decisions, and that's why I thought the motion was prudent, reasonable, and responsible. Yeah, I know because there was some pushback to say, "Oh, we can't do that because we're you know we're trying to get the RFP process going." This really this that's apples and oranges, isn't it, Brad? Yes, it is. I, I I was very careful in the drafting of the motion to to not request any dollar figures. 
Uh, It's not about what the final cost is. It's about the process. So if inflation says it's going to run another $200 million, we need to understand who's going to pay for that extra $200 million. In, and that this request will not prejudice the RFP in, in any way, shape, or form. Uh, I suspect that the consortiums would also like to have some clarification on this prior to their bidding process. Well, and, and part of the catalyst for this conversation, of course, was, was the spectator and others have, have tried to get some information about this. And so there have been some freedom of information requests. Uh, and I, I know that when they finally got a response to that, a lot of the stuff that was finally given to them was redacted because uh, there's, and that's that's probably a very frustrating experience too. But there were discussions, and you saw some of this stuff, Brad, that uh, that was released. Uh, it was in the Spectator article mm-hmm. where they talked about cost overruns and the, the fact that they expect, as a matter of fact, that there will be cost overruns in this. Uh, so now more than ever before, I think we need to have that conversation because we're not talking about uh, you know a pocket change here. This is a significant amount of money. Well, it's a billion dollars, so whenever you have cost overruns on a billion dollars, they end up being significant. Um, and and I, I think everyone in the city, it, it was the worst-kept secret that there were going to be cost overruns. I think everyone in the city acknowledged knowing what, how capital projects work on large infrastructure. It always, the cost increases towards the end. And, and we're not asking for that figure. We're simply asking for clarity if there is a cost overrun based on escalation and the government keeps saying it's a billion dollars, it's a billion dollars, and that's all they talk about, Bill, then what's the policy on any excess over that billion dollars? Please tell us. Because, and again, because that overrun can be a big number. I mean, if, you know, if you're going to get a, an, an explanation from Metrolinx that says, oh, uh, it could be $1.2 million or $1.3 million instead of a bill, or billion, rather, $1.3 billion, that's $200 million. <laughs> We're, and and the city is going to be on the hook for that. I mean, that's what you know. Donna Skelly seemed to indicate yesterday. If that's the policy, uh, I think you as a councillor need to know that going forward, don't you? Absolutely. And I got very nervous when I was listening to the GM of HSR talk about that um, they're buying their buses now through Metrolinx, and the actual cost of the buses have increased by thirty percent. That shocked me. I was under the impression that Metrolinx was going to be getting us uh, really good deals on these buses. Now we're paying much more than we were in the past. That 30% number just, just kind of slapped me in the face when I heard it, and I started thinking about the LRT, and that's what prompted this motion. What's this going to do? You, you've been involved in contracts, Brad, but at various levels, of course, and you know, I don't want to get into the stadium thing again. I think people still have those wounds haven't healed yet. They're still a little hot about that issue. But with the idea about cost overruns and bidders and, and et cetera, are, are you starting to, to relive that sense of frustration right now that maybe this thing is, is running away from you and that, that you don't have the control over it that you were hoped to, that, that you were going to? I've always felt that we didn't have the control over the project as a city. It was really within Metrolink's um, um, bailiwick completely. Um, the the challenges from my experience when I'm looking at large highway, look at the Red Hill, for example. I was the Minister of Transportation when the Red Hill was yeah. finally being constructed. And that entire contract talked about capital costs only. And even when the city uh, decided to go after the federal government, I had to amend that contract to allow them to use some of that billion dollars for operational expenses in the litigation. Um, so we need clarity on this. We need to understand exactly what the billion dollars is paying for and who pays over and above if there's, there's a, uh, uh, an escalation. If there is no hard and fast commitment, and I, again, I, I'm... 
on side with you on this, Brad. You're not asking for a dollar figure here. You're just going to say, who's got our back on this? Or is it, is it going to be up to us? Until we get that clarified, how are you going to get anybody from the private sector or anybody else that wants to bid on this thing to do the construction to, to actually give a hard and fast bid? Because they don't know. I mean, they may be responsible for any overruns. We don't know that yet. And, and that's one of the challenges. And, and I suspect that since that hasn't happened, that even some of the, the consortiums that are bidding are a little bit nervous. I, I understand you know, that they still have not received the bid, and they're, they're many months now behind. They would want clarity. You know, normally in a, in a, a contract, they even talk about like a 15% contingency on a constru- large construction project. Well, just doing those numbers are significant. So who's going to pay? And that's the big question. Because I know that was a part of the stadium thing. It's part of just about every other contract. And that's almost uh, a standard issue or, or clauses. And then, Brad, I mean, that there's a hold back to make sure or if there's overruns, et cetera. And, and that was part of the legal battle that you had with the stadium. We're not even there yet because we haven't even made that determination yet with this project. All we keep hearing and keep talking about is $1 billion. Uh, and, and so that's the challenge, knowing how these contracts work. Inflation alone is a big hit. What about the, the actual contingencies that are required because they find things along the route bill, as you know, that they didn't expect and that increase the cost to the project, who's going to pay? Well, anybody that watches the Property Brothers on HGTV understands that as soon as you start tearing the wall apart, right? I didn't know that was going to be there. We had to take that wall down, oh yeah. Yeah, look at that. Look at those crawly things in there. Uh, and we don't know. Once we we haven't even got a shovel in the ground yet, so we haven't got those estimates. But but even some of the information we do have on this, I mean, and and again, this is from MetroLink's. Uh, says that, look, at, yeah, we, we understand that there could be cost overruns, and they say, well, that could have an impact on the the scope of the project. Which So uh, if, if, well, I, uh, what I read into that, Brad, is I don't think I can even guarantee right now that we're even talking about a project that's going to go from McMaster to Eastgate Square. That seems to be up in the air depending on where the money's going to be. And, and scope is a pretty broad word. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> you know, so the size of the trains shrink in order to save money. I don't know, um, but we need clarity on this. And, and so far, uh, Metrolinx has been less than forthcoming, and the Ministry of Transportation, it's time for the minister to come and visit us and, and just lay it off. We're all adults. We understand. We've been through these issues before. Just lay the, the terms on the table so we know what's happening. Well, and let's talk about that process because I, I know that we talked to the uh, to the mayor about this a couple of weeks ago because I guess there was a, a commitment of some shape uh, by the premier's office that he was actually going to come and talk to, uh, I don't know if it was going to be the council or just the mayor, whatever the case might be, but apparently that hasn't happened and they're not returning phone calls. Uh, now we're finding out that, well, the protocol is uh, that the minister should probably come first and then maybe there'll be a future meeting with the premier about this. I, I don't know. You you walked in those shoes. Is that what you're supposed to do? That That is the normal, traditional protocol, yes. Okay. So, so well, you were the transportation minister, so you understand where we're going. So that, that's got to be step one, is to, is to get right at this point, Minister York here, to talk about this. Correct. And, and, and I... I know the gentleman. He's a reasonable guy. He's very, uh, very uh, straight. He's a straight shooter. He'll tell you exactly what's going on. I think he will understand this request from the city and say, yes, absolutely. They need to know this is what our government policy is and come down and talk to us about it. Well, I, I'm getting a sense of deja vu again because when we were <laughs> dealing with the previous government, as you recall, Brad, and you were on that council, 
Uh, and we got mixed messages from the transportation ministers. As a matter of fact, I think we went about th- through three of them, I think, in a very short period of time uh, because of, of the messages which seemed to be contrary to what the premier's office was saying at the time. So uh, I'm hoping that, that these guys are going to be on the same page anyway. And then we have the mixed messages that, you know, the ministry has one position or is not responding to provide a position, and Metrolinks has another position. We just need it very clear in writing. Let's talk about the contingencies. Let's talk about the escalation due to inflation. Who's going to pay those costs? Just tell us now so we know what's coming. What about Retrolinks themselves? I mean, obviously, this is supposed to be the arm's length body that's supposed to look after all of these projects, not just here in Hamilton, but in other places, too. Uh, I'm, I'm just trying to read the tea leaves on some of the comments that uh, that the Ford administration has made here. I, I, I don't get the sense that they're very enamored with Metrolinks right now, and I don't know where that's going to go. But uh, I, I guess the you know the question that that maybe is in the back of our minds right now is is Metrolinks going to be in charge over the long term on this, or are they going to take this over? Because they let's face it, they've torn apart a lot of the other things the previous government's done. Yeah, I was I, personally. I can only speak personally. Yeah, Bill. Yeah. I was never enamored with with Metrolinks. I I find that this arm's length uh, agency has has had um, a problem controlling their own costs um, and focusing on things that really truly matter, which is the capital end of all of these construction projects. Uh, and they get caught up too much in the communications and their spending's out of whack. Quite frankly. Um, and and I, I think the government would be right in coming forward and saying, you know, we're going to look at Metrolinks and, and, and do an audit on it. But I'm not in the government. That's just my personal frustration in dealing with Metrolinks over the years. Well, because let's face it, a lot of these quote-unquote arms-length organizations aren't really arms-length organizations. Uh, and they're, they're essentially trying to do the work that the government should be doing anyway. So, you know, why do you need that middle person in there? That It's an extra step, I think, in some people's minds. And we've seen way too many examples over the last 15, 20 years in government where that extra step is a very costly one. Uh, because they can be cost overruns, and like you say, uh, you know, where's the money going to go? Who are you hiring, etc.? And there are subsets to that, and we can get into the orange ambulance things and a whole bunch of other things like that. I'm not suggesting that's where, amb- where Metrolinks is going, but if the government decides to do that, Brad, it's just another delay in this project. Well, it shouldn't delay the project. Um, from my experience, the Ministry of Transportation have the engineers and the quali- and 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 the professional experts on staff right now that could could handle Metrolinks's job. So it would be a transition process. So it shouldn't impact any of the capital projects, but it would um, um, bring some some accountability to where the money is being spent on higher order transit across the province. Uh, for the longest time, Go Transit was was under the Ministry of Transportation. Yeah. Go Transit had a manager; they looked after the actual day to day function, but. Funding of new capital; those decisions were made by by the MTO in consultation with municipalities. Let's talk about the motion. I get, we've got about a minute or two left here. Mm-hmm. I want to talk. It says uh, so. Have you gauged the support from your your council colleagues on this? Are they ready to move forward on this? I really haven't gauged it. Um, I think it's a very reasonable and and respectful motion, uh, and I can't see uh, any logical reason why any municipal councillor would oppose it. I, are you asking, as, as part of this, is there going to be an invitation for the minister to visit here? I mean, because, I, again, in my conversation with Donna Skelly yesterday, she indicated that she was starting to get the wheels in motion to try to make that happen, but uh, obviously don't know when and, and exactly what, what the scope of any meeting would be at this point. Uh, would, you, would you like to have council have some part in that decision, too? 
Ideally, I'd love to invite the minister to be here, but I don't want to slow down this motion. This motion, and I don't want any confusion, this motion is simply asking that we get in writing from the Minister of Transportation the government's policy regarding any cost escalation on the billion dollars and who pays. I think that needs to be done separately from any other invitation for the minister to come and speak to us. Uh, let me just go down the, the road of uh, speculative uh, ideas here for just a couple of seconds. Uh, if they say, yeah, we've got to cover this, which is highly unlikely, uh, that's one element. Uh, if they say, no, you guys are going to have to cover any cost overruns, in your opinion, is that going to have an impact on, on council support for this project? Uh, it's quite possible. Um, we'd have to look at the debt policy for this for the city, um, the projected debt that we already have, and uh, how we would finance um, this cost, uh, and and ultimately council would have to make that decision. From my recollection, the majority of the councillors indicated from the very beginning they didn't want to spend any municipal money on the LRT. Yeah, one dime, I think, was uh, the expression of one of your colleagues. Uh, yeah. Not one dime of taxpayers' money, but uh, if there's cost overruns, they're going to fall into the city's uh, responsibility. Uh, I would think that changes the dynamic considerably. And regardless of that dynamic and that future possible decision, I still believe this motion is, is prudent today. We need the information. Well, absolutely, and that's, that's, it starts with that. Let's get some clarity and some detail. Uh, good luck with it, Brad. Uh, we'll see how your colleagues respond to this in the next little while, and, uh, and hopefully we can get the, the province to the table here and get some ideas as to what's happening. Appreciate the time today. Thanks, Bill. Have a great day. You bet, Chad. That's uh, Brad Clark, of course, City Councilor, bringing the motion forward. And again, not asking for a dollar figure, just saying, look it, you know, are you guys going to cover the whole cost, or is it just a billion dollars? Because we, I, I know that Mayor Eisenberg has already been on record as saying, look at the initial estimate for this was only about 875 so the, the, there was some wiggle room there within that billion dollars that they had committed. But you got to know that with the delays that we've had, and now we're finding out that they're probably not going to get into the, sho- the shovels into the ground at all this year, uh, costs go up. We know that with every project. The longer you wait, the more the cost is going to be. And uh, we have we exceeded that billion dollars with what we're trying to do and the amount of money that's allocated to it. We don't know yet. And hopefully uh, Councillor Clark's motion will give us those answers. You're listening to the Bill Kelly Show podcast on 900 CHML. I want to talk about Doug Ford and uh, what's going on here in Ontario. Uh, a number of different issues uh, on the plate right now that uh, uh, the, the, the Premier touched on a little bit anyway. He had a media conference yesterday, first one he's actually had, I guess, since uh, the Christmas break. Uh, and apparently Hazel is not going to go work for the, the Premier uh, notwithstanding a story that surfaced a little while ago. He also touched on uh, his uh, buddy, uh, Ron Tavener, uh, who he wants to be the new OPP commissioner, and a few other things, too. Joining us to talk about all of this is uh, Richard Brennan, retired journalist with the Toronto Star, who covered Queen's Park and Parliament Hill for all these many years. Uh, Badger, welcome back to the show. Good to have you with us today. Hi, Bill. How are you? Good, good. Are you surprised by Hazel's announcement? <clears throat> um, not really. Uh, given a number of factors, uh, I, you know, she is busy. I think she said she's on five boards, but Hazel will be 98 on February 14th. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, given the commitment she has in her age, I just don't think, she, you know, she has, uh, quite frankly, the energy for it. Well, it's about time she started to slow down. I, I don't think you'll <laughs> see that happen. <laughs> never, never. Uh, and she's, you know, I, I know some people's eyebrows were raised when, the, when they announced that she wanted, the, they, they wanted her, actually, to come on. But, but Hazel's, she's apolitical, isn't she? 
I mean, she's she's not. I don't know what her politics is. I mean, uh, even in the last election, she she endorsed Doug Ford, but at the same time endorsed Charles Souza, who was at that time the finance minister under the Liberal government. So she she can wear both hats. Well, I think she's a political mugwump, quite frankly. Um, you know, she knows how to play the game, so she's going to uh, curry favor with who's ever in government. And you know, when you're a municipal leader, that's pretty well what you have to do, isn't it? Yeah, it is, and and I guess even here in in this neck of the woods, I, we maybe tend to give the Mississauga short shrift. I mean, it's it's a big city. I mean, we tend to think of oh, that's that little place just beside Toronto. Uh, they're a player, in, especially at the provincial level. I mean, the, you know what happens in Mississauga has an Im- a large impact, oftentimes, on who forms the government. Oh, a- absolutely. I mean, it is it's it is a large city now, and the largest in Canada. And uh, I mean, what what happens there? Let, let's face it. She was able to build a municipality, whether you like it or not. I'm not, I'm not a, a real fan of Mississauga, but that's another thing. But she, uh, and a strength and a, and a commitment to the province that she built over the years, and, you know, and the new mayor, Bonnie Crombie, is, is benefiting from that. So she made herself a power broker. And in so doing, many of the governments have had to, uh, have had to, um, contend with her uh, demands over the years, and and rightly so. But and and again, I give her uh, some credit. She did not fall out of credit. I mean, that's that was an amalgamation by itself, of course, because I mean, really, Mississauga is just a bunch of small towns, Cooksville, Malton, places like that. That they're, they're all you know Port gathered credit, together. Yeah. Port credit. Uh, but the reality that we need to look at here, of course, is that uh, part of the reason that Hazel was so successful is she just happened to have the largest airport in the country right there. Uh, and talk about economic development. I mean, that paid the property taxes for that city and still does for years. Yeah, uh, if, if I can just digress for a moment, I, I, you know, she was going to be she was going to be an advisor, which she rejected that one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year from uh, from Ford yeah. on municipal affairs. And let's face it, she is she's a, a political animal on the municipal level. But I, I, I I've never been able to understand. The lionization of McCallion, Hazel McCallion. I, I, I never quite understood it, and because you look at you look at Mississauga, and it is a planning disaster. If you were going to do, if you were, you know, to take a uh, look at something in terms of how not to do it, I think Mississauga would be a prime example of how not to plan. Because it doesn't make a lick of sense to me. Well, and again, the fact is, is even when they made mistakes, they knew that they had that money coming from uh, from uh, you know the property taxes from all of those businesses around the airport. Well, yeah, of course she benefited from it, and you know, in in, in, a, in a very very large way. But to that point, then, why would, did Ford want her on side? I mean, what was her role going to be? Well, yeah, we heard this all-encompassing term, advisor. Advising what? Well, again, I, I go back to it's, it's a lionization of her. She just she has built a reputation, and r- rightly so, uh, as, as a municipal, you know, strong municipal leader. And the day, and of course, it's. I mean, you, you basically, I, I don't know how many premiers that I've covered, and and not only premiers but prime ministers who would bend over backwards to appease her it's really it's really quite remarkable and that's why he's done it he's done it just to show that he still has a great deal of respect for her 
plus you have to factor in the support she has in Mississauga. And if you treat her well, you're going that that support is going to spill over into whatever party uh, is in provincially. But if this had followed through the way that, uh, that Ford had, had suggested that it was, uh, Hazel was going to come on. They say make about one hundred fifty grand a year, uh, and and maybe do not much of anything. I mean, you know, Ford. I think we already know who Ford listens to when it comes to policy decisions, and and uh, it's not Hazel. Well, I wouldn't go that far. I think I don't think she'd have a lot to do. I, uh, quite frankly, I, I I give her the greatest respect in terms of turning down that job because yeah. I don't think she had time for it, <clears throat> and and she wouldn't have had a lot of that you say impact on his decision but there wasn't a premier that i can think of that wouldn't take a call from hazel mccallion so don't underestimate even at almost 90 years old her uh, her uh, influence no and she's you're right i mean she's not slowing down but uh, it's, it's going to be interesting to see uh, and again i got conflicting stories on this uh, badger i mean you know the toronto star uh, you know, Rob Ferguson and Rob Benzie reported today that she's rejected his appointment as a special advisor, says she can't do it. Uh, the Sun still seems to be running the story that, no, she's not going to get paid, but she's still going to be around to, to answer questions or to give him some advice. So I, I don't know where it's going to go. I would imagine there may be some phone calls from time to time from between the two, but there were going to be anyway, weren't there? Oh, there were, there were anyway. So, you know, I mean, it really, uh, you didn't need to pay Hazel, because if she had a thought and an idea, she was going to tell you anyway. Oh, so. sure, yeah. <laughs> well, we'll see where that picks up in the Netherlands. The other, a very interesting topic that came up uh, was uh, about the OPP commissioner, uh, and and boy, this thing just seems to be getting more and more muddled. I'm th- sure everybody knows the story right now. Uh, Doug Ford, obviously, uh, accepting the resignation of the the current OPP commissioner. Well, there's an acting guy running right now, but he wanted apparently it's pretty clear to everybody he wanted his buddy Ron Tavener to be the ex OPP commissioner. And, of course, the quick uh, version of this is, all right, the, there's supposed to be a panel that was supposed to select the new commissioner. Uh, they said, okay, here's their criteria. Two days after they they put that out, they changed the criteria. And all of a sudden, guess who gets to apply? Uh, and then, of course, see, he's supposed to be the guy. Um, there is a, a re, uh, an investigation going on into this. Is, is, it, is it just going through the motions, or is there going to be something happening here? Oh, I think the integrity commissioner will... will uh certainly investigate this to the best of their ability but uh the the fact remains is he's you know the question is i should say is he still going to appoint tabner regardless of what the integrity commissioner says he seems to be leaning that way well certainly uh um the uh solicitor general as i call it i guess is community safety now but uh sylvia jones she says she is already implied that We'll appoint him regardless of what the uh, integrity commissioner says. Well, which puts it's there's many there's a real ripple effect here. That really puts Caroline Mulroney in a very difficult situation. The attorney general. How so? Well, <clears throat> sorry to have somebody like the integrity commissioner, independent commissioner of the legislature. If he comes out and says. There was absolutely meddling by the premier and or his office in, in this appointment. And it, we recommend that he not, you know, that it, he not be appointed. Well, she, she really has, to, as an attorney general, she has to decide how she's going to handle this. 
and whether this is the hill she's going to die on. Because this, this really, at that point, she is a meddling into the legal affairs, if you will, the judicial affairs of the government. And I'll tell you, I, I don't know. I wouldn't want to be in her position because she's really going to be on the hot seat if they do, in fact, appoint him regardless of what of what the Integrity Commissioner said. And again, the problem with, with investigations by the Integrity Commissioner's office, uh, this is uh, J. David Wake, of course, the Integrity Commissioner of the province, uh, is... is <laughs> It doesn't have any weight. I mean, he can say, I don't think he should get the job. And there's no law that says that the government, including the premier, needs to, to abide by that. They can simply say, well, thanks for coming out. Appreciate your effort. But we're going to go down this road anyway. Uh, not unlike with the integrity commissioners at the municipal level, too. It's it's a nice idea to kind of show that there's this level of scrutiny here. But at the same time, uh, you'd like to think that the uh, the rulings of the integrity commission would have a little more teeth. But they don't. Well, yeah, yeah, this is, but this is when it flips over into the, uh, you know, the court of public opinion. Yeah. If if they do that, I mean, if if he was to say, "I'm appointing him," I don't care what the heck anybody says, then that really, people will stand back. The public will stand back and say, well, "Hold it a second now." You know, you're you're not some kind of uh, you know modern day dictator here. You you were elected, but that, it was a majority, but that doesn't give you the kind of powers to do whatever the heck you like. But he seems to think he does. I mean, you know, he was, you know, pretty blatant about it the other day uh, when somebody asked him about this, and he says, I'm the premier, I can appoint whomever I want to these positions. Well, that's no, no, you can't. That's not what you're supposed to be able to do. Well, I don't, I don't think he's, is, is heavy-handed or ham-fisted as maybe a lot of people might portray him. Uh, he he's still talking like he's running a company. Yeah, and that's that's where this all falls back onto. He he's 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 growing, and you can see it almost daily into the job, as every other premier has also done. Mm-hmm. They they grow they grow into the job. They learn the the ropes, and you can see it. We just recently on Bill uh, is it sixty six where. He backed down in any suggestion that municipalities would would have the power to or or to give power to municipalities to you know take chunks out of the green space. Yeah, and that is again listening, you know, taking the temperature of the of the uh, public opinion, and he he's done that and said, hold on, I just want to make sure that you know. We're not we're we're taking that out of that bill, and because of what we've heard, and and I, that's smart politics as far as I'm concerned. It might have been a bit of a trial balloon, but it's still smart politics. Well, and it's this is going to be a tougher test for them, as you just mentioned, Badger, because this is there are ethical implications to this now, and and we've seen examples of this. I, and, and the first one that comes to mind, obviously, is if there's going to be anything that's even alleged to be untoward that this government might do. Uh, the OPP is usually the ones that are called on to investigate. And, and can you really expect that there will be an objective investigation in, into this government if, in fact, that should happen, if you know that the OPP commissioner is is a, a tight friend of the premier's? I mean, it just it doesn't look good. Uh, it's the perception of it. I get that. And that's not ca- casting any aspersions on Tavener. I don't know the guy. He's been a cop for a long time. But if, if he initially didn't even qualify to be a commissioner, and they had to lower the qualifications to get him in there. 
But you know, look at look at the gas plant. Look at the the by election in Sudbury. I mean, those are police investigations. And and uh, is the people going to be comfortable with the OPP investigating a government when you know these guys go out for dinner all the time and and hang out together? Well, and even even retired uh, OPP, you know, uh, high high up officials will say the same thing that you know. What do you do when you know you get a call from the premier's office, or and or the commissioner's office saying, uh, you know, you might want to look elsewhere? And so, what do you do? I'm not the. <clears throat> I don't think that. I have a great great respect for the Ontario Provincial Police, and I don't think that would happen. But it's still that Paul is still over the force with that if he gets that job. Well, the commissioner's report, I guess, uh, is going to come out shortly, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, if he did listen to the public's opinion on, on the Greenbelt issue on Bill 66, uh, we're certainly hopeful that he's going to listen to it of this one, too, because this one's, uh, I think, going to have more serious ramifications I than even that. I think he might. I think he might, Bill. I really do. Time will tell. We'll see how it works out. Richard, as always, thanks so much for the time. Okay, Bill. Take it easy. Take care. Richard Brennan, of course, uh, who covered Queen's Park for many, many years uh, for the Toronto Star. <laughs> The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML. The Bill Kelly Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. You can also listen to The Bill Kelly Show weekdays from 9 till noon on 900 CHML. I'm Bill Kelly. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free, so you never miss an episode. And make sure that you rate and review.